Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Clockwork Aranya podcast. Today's episode we're going to, well, it's our Euro 2020 preview. As always, I'm Finley Caroldo, your host, and joining me for it is Peter McVitie. Well, first things first, Peter, how's it going? Pretty good, man, pretty good. I was uh, listening to some Jamaican music before you called, so uh, I've got a kind of good weather vibe going, uh, but I think the uh, this conversation is probably going to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I gotta keep it upbeat, you know. Keep it upbeat. We'll do, we'll do our best. Um, yeah, I mean, well, you know, it, the fact is that we're doing a preview podcast about a tournament that that Holland are in. That's that that's something to be happy about. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, count your blessings. Exactly. It's it, it's already better than 2016 and 2018. So uh, yeah, that's something. Um, well, obviously, in today's episode, we are going to be discussing the um, the warm-up matches against Scotland and Georgia. Um, and then at the end, we'll take a look ahead to the to the Ukraine match and kind of give predictions on that and the tournament as a whole, which will no doubt be massively optimistic and positive. Um, but I thought we'd just start off with, um, you know, last time we recorded, it was predicting the Euros squad. Um, so I thought we'd just start off by discussing that, you know, discussing our reactions to what the squad turned out to be. So, um, yeah, what were your thoughts on it when it was announced? Yeah, overall, I was pretty happy with it. Um, I was a wee bit concerned with the lack of right-back options. Obviously, stuck with Denzel Dumfries and uh, Veltman can slot in there. But, I mean, we talked about the possibility of Karlsdorp playing uh, which I think would have been a, a smart choice and um, give you a, a, an option to still play with a high right back whereas Veltman is probably not suited to, to playing that kind of the way Denzel Dumfries does which in some sense is, is a good thing but <laughs> uh, I think they, they, the way they're setting up at the moment looks like they, they kind of want that so yeah I was a wee bit worried about that but um, overall, pretty sound. They've obviously got really strong, an abundance of really good uh, centre-backs. The midfield is um, one of um, a lot of quality. It's just about how he sort of finds that right balance and gets the right chemistry going, but obviously picked the right kind of people. Uh, it was nice to see Coke Miners get a nod, which... We both were hoping for, but I don't think either of us actually expected them to, mm-hmm. to survive the cup. Um, the wingers, again, overall pretty good. I'm a big fan of uh, Cody Harpo. Uh, Quincy Promises, uh, yeah, he's been a strange one for the Netherlands, but you look at him for Spartak Moscow, he's always been dynamite, and uh, I actually had. Yeah, he was a wee bit shaky as well, so but we don't really expect to see him. And of course, uh, Vechos getting the nod was uh, was delightful. So yeah, I couldn't really complain too much about uh, about the selections that he made. To be honest with you, other than just having some concerns over, as I say, the, the right back position, and again, just waiting on him to find that right mood for the midfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Um... Yeah, and with yeah, I think the only change I would have made was probably bringing in a right back, um, probably Karsdorp, especially with us now playing this kind of five-three-two uh, with wing backs. I think that's the one that I look at, and I think he really should have included him. But apart from that, I was 
pleasantly surprised to be honest obviously we had um yeah like you mentioned Gakpo Coop Miners um Timber was included which is great and um yeah. Veghorst uh, instead of Barbel so yeah generally it was a really good squad and at that point I was I was feeling pretty optimistic um about about the Euros I guess um and then yeah that has slightly changed after those warm-up games so let's get into that obviously they were well if you listen to this I'm sure you already know that it was a 2-2 draw against Scotland and um, a 3-0 win over Georgia so didn't lose a match but I mean I don't know let's start off with that Scotland game Um, putting aside your your national bias what did you think of it? (laughs) Well yeah from a Dutch perspective it was uh, it was pretty worrying especially at the start um everybody just looked at odds i mean it didn't just seem like they didn't really know how to line up in this uh formation the uh fullbacks just were too slow getting forward the center backs were even kind of confused it seemed at some points even the left was a bit um a bit too easily dragged out, uh, and yeah, Scotland obviously taking the lead with a, a, a lovely shot, but there was just these big spaces ahead of, a bit ahead of the, the defence and in between the midfield that just seemed, yeah, just a good team could have really torn them apart. Um, thankfully, Memphis was there with the, the two goals. I mean, there were two cracking finishes, but um, yeah, it left me really worried because. Obviously, the Scotland team had been a bit torn apart. They left out six players after uh, John Flight tested positive for COVID. So I was expecting it just to be a, a walk, even for a, a team managed by Frank De Boer, to be <laughs> honest. Um, but yeah, it left, uh, it left me really worried. I, I, I thought that he might quickly ditch the formation that he had chosen. I, I, I didn't expect him to be so committed to it. <laughs> to be honest with you, no. but uh, it was it was really worrying for a lot of reasons. But at the same time, I wasn't too concerned at that point because yeah, it just that sort of stuff happens before tournaments. You get you can have those shaky performances. It's best to find out what you can't do and what uh, leaves you uh, too vulnerable. But um, and there were some improvements, obviously, for the Georgia game. But it's if you have confidence in the Boer to actually really get those details going, get the, the defence settled, get them understanding when they have to step up and, and stay back and put pressure on things, um, get the right mix with uh, Verhofst and Depay. And obviously, Depay playing that sort of central, deeper role. He he does have a tendency just to come back and, and try and retrieve the ball. And it's, it was working out how to stop him from basically getting in, getting in the way of the midfield or, or getting in the right positions, basically, to, to help the attack move forward. And yeah, all these things were pretty worrying for <laughs> after that. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was pretty cynical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Scotland game was, I mean, first we you know, should clarify it is only a warm-up match, and there's, there's not. It was the first time with the formation, so it, it's not. I don't think it. You know, we need to like hit hit the panic stations after it. You know, before 2014 World Cup, um, 
Van Gaal put the team in that 5-3-2 formation for the first time and we drew against Ecuador and didn't play very yeah. well. So, you know, it, it, it's not like the end of the world, but it wasn't it wasn't a good match. I mean, like you said, I think the only reason the side didn't lose it was, well, I don't think I know. The only reason the side didn't lose it was because of Memphis Depay. One lucky free kick at the end that maybe shouldn't have been a free kick that he put in. And I mean, you know, Scotland aren't a bad side, to be fair. I think they're a lot better than than uh, what people give them credit for and definitely than what they used to be. So, you know, uh, it's not like we were playing, well, Georgia, for example. But <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> it still wasn't good. And the formation just, the, play, the players didn't look comfortable in it at all. They didn't. They We had five defenders and yet we looked so, so open at the back and also didn't really offer much going forward. You know, we only really... The wing backs just didn't really seem to understand what they were supposed to do. Um, they'd end up pretty deep, so that we'd literally Memphis and Veghorst would be the only two people up front, and yeah. and you can't really cause that many problems. But he did stick with it, yeah. Like you said, a bit surprisingly, I I also thought against Georgia he was going to go back to a four at the back, but uh, especially because against Scotland we switched to four at the back for the last ten fifteen minutes and looked a lot better again. So. Yeah, I didn't expect that against Georgia for him to stick with it, but he did. And I mean, it wasn't great again, but I mean, there were signs of progress of the formation at least, weren't there? Yeah, for sure. The fullbacks looked uh, a bit more proactive, I guess. Uh, Dumfries was obviously pushing them far up. Vindal still looked shaky. Uh, I'm not sure that he is the right type of fullback for this. Uh, yeah. formation I think when you watch him at IZ he does get forward but um, his uh, his use in the build up it tends to be um, yeah from a bit further back uh, instead of just operating as a, an actual winger that they would probably need uh, in this and yeah he couldn't really combine with like uh, Frankie de Jong and stuff there were a few moments where yeah timing was just wrong um he couldn't find the spaces behind the defense and yeah that was probably the the big worry for me whereas Dumfries looked a bit more comfortable but he's still Denzel Dumfries uh, <laughs> problem in itself but uh, at least he I mean he obviously won the penalty he had a good um pass to Memphis at the back post which uh, a goalkeeper kept out, but uh, there were like a couple of moments that like that that made me a wee bit more optimistic. But at least they kind of knew to step up quicker and and get forward. Um, but again, uh, midfield chemistry just wasn't quite there. I think the own was nah. just a, and he was so frustrating. Didn't really do his job properly of protecting the the back, and it left me with this fear that just any smart team can just play some quick combinations through the middle and mm. really threaten really threaten them because again the centre backs just don't really know when uh, when they should start putting pressure on, uh, and I think they can be yeah just sort of torn apart a bit by any any smart team or anybody who can play quickly like that uh, can find their way. I mean, Georgia sort of did it right at the start of the game and the shot was kind of weak. It was an easy one for Stecklenburg, but um, yeah, it was, uh, 
it did leave me with a a lot of a lot of concerns. I still, even to be honest with you, with uh, Vechorst and Depay, I know they looked a bit better. Vechorst got his first goal, but um, yeah, I still think that uh, he could probably be kept quiet. I think um, Marlin offers a bit more of a a threat in that he's just he's quicker. Uh, he can combine with Memphis uh, in a by using his pace and and he's been fantastic for PSV obviously that uh yeah I think they could actually unsettle some decent defences. As I say, you know, they are warm up games, these th- you can always have bad performances and be fine, but um yeah, it was uh, it was still a bit nervy. Yeah, the Georgia one was um I think in possession going forward we were much better. I think um De Boer and his staff had obviously kind of sat down with Dumfries and Vinder and told them that, you know, you're, you're more wingers than fullbacks in this formation. Um, and they did get forward a lot more and Dumfries was a lot more threatening. Um, God, if he had an end product, he'd be unstoppable. Um, but yeah, Vinder was again just wasn't wasn't good like you said I don't think it suits the formation at all um but yeah overall still on the ball a bit better um I did I, I liked Veghorst I, I thought he he was a useful outlet you know he won a lot of long balls from Stakelenburg he obviously converted the one chance he had held it up well but um yeah I, I don't know I, I think Malin's uh definitely an option worth considering because he came on for the last 15 minutes or so and he was really dangerous he created the the third goal really but yeah defensively was the worry again I mean against Georgia I'd say Georgia had three or four pretty clear chances that Mm. they that they missed and I think they they came from the team just not really being used used to this formation yet I mean I think Darun was to blame for two of them I just Ah, uh, he's he's in the team to like kind of protect the defense, like, but he just didn't do that at all. So you kind of wonder what's the point of having him there. And I mean, um, Gravenberch came on for the a lot of the second half, and he was great. You know, he got a goal and he looked really good. So you do wonder, should he be in for the first match? Um, yeah, the difference between Gravenberch against Scotland and against Georgia was was incredible. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah. I was really shocked by how uh, useless he was against Scotland because I see him as just an amazing talent. I think he's he's spectacular and I would like to see him start. I don't understand why, yeah, after that performance, why Drone would be starting. I, I would say, I I think he's probably going to go, he should probably go with Ravenbers because he's, he's played more, but I'm a bit sad that uh, Cope Miners just can't, get in I mean we've talked yeah. about him basically every time yeah <laughs> every time we've gone on and uh, yeah it's such a shame that we haven't been uh, we haven't been had he hasn't even had the chance to uh, to justify us or uh, or uh, prove us wrong in any way so uh, yeah it's confusing so yeah the fact that the Rowan is ahead of those two so far ahead of them is uh, is a bit confusing especially after that because he was he was even like self-destructive at times as well just going in for these ridiculous tackles when there was no point or yeah just leaving the back four completely uh, sorry the back three uh, completely um exposed basically which is yeah oh what is his job then well, why is what is he supposed to do if he's not doing that yeah 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 i think 
you know, taking a bit of a closer look at this this new formation, 5-3-2 slash 3-5-2. Um, yeah, I think first we'll start off with that with that midfield spot next to Frankie because that is the weakness. Obviously, Darun wasn't good there. And I'd say, yeah, like you said, I think Gravenberch and Koopmanis are both better options. I think they're much better on the ball and not much worse defensively, especially Koopmanis. Um I think even Daily Blind there would be a better option, you know, because yeah. that that position doesn't obviously Blind's weakness is pace, and that was exposed against Georgia early on. But obviously, in that position, in front of three centre backs, that's not really an issue. It's more about positioning, intelligence, kind of on the ball uh, ability. And I mean, uh, apart from De Jong, Blind's probably the best in our squad in that department. So. Uh, that was his strength, basically. It was so frustrating to yeah. see him used as a back for such a big, big part of his career. But when he eventually, uh, Ajax, before he went to Manchester United, when he eventually went into that position, he was just, mm. he was spectacular. He was genuinely brilliant. Uh, and it was so irritating to then see him constantly be used as a defender again. So it's a good point. I, it would be a, a final for him. And when it comes to Kravenberg, obviously, I mean, we've talked, we've, sort of questioned it before if he can play with Frankie de Jong I think that those concerns are a wee bit exaggerated I think he's both of them are smart enough and have enough or complete enough basically to to work together but Cope Miners just would be totally fine as well it's just he hasn't had a chance god damn it but uh, yeah, yeah yeah honestly with Cope Miners I look at it I wonder if De Boer's literally just put him in the squad for penalty shootouts because like it would have been so easy to give him a chance in one of the last two games, you know, especially when Darun wasn't playing well and was on a yellow card. I think Darun ended up playing 90 minutes in both games. So that's yeah. just crazy. I don't see why you wouldn't give Coop Miners a start. But yeah, I'd say, yeah, Blind, Coop Miners, Gravenberch are all much better options than him. Um, I think, yeah, it's not going to be Coop Miners, is it? He hasn't played, so that's not going to happen. Um Gravenberch probably the most likely one, but do you would you be surprised if Darun was dropped for the first game, or do you think Gravenberch is uh, in with in with a decent shot of playing? Yeah, I think maybe um, De Boer kind of defended uh, Darun after the Georgia game a bit and said that well he doesn't expect him to be on the ball too much, but uh, that doesn't really explain why Darun was so key and like the build up uh, or wasn't. He was supposed to be. I mean, he was the one who kept on coming back to, to get the ball a lot, which um, obviously shouldn't have been anywhere near it. Um, so, yeah, I think the Boer might have... Uh, and, yeah, the fact that he played 90 minutes, it makes me think that he might have enough uh, faith in him just to, to stick with him. But, yeah, obviously, uh, I would much rather he didn't. But, yeah, I think he's probably going to be... Yeah, the Boer is just stubborn enough to do that, to just stick with him, I think. Uh, it's Especially because he didn't give uh, Coke Miners a chance and because uh, Ravenberts uh, didn't replace him, basically, and wasn't given a, a real chance to to play with um, with De Jong, obviously. Uh, well, he was the one who replaced him, but, um, yeah, it's just... It's so irritating that that's the, the weakness of the midfield, and yet it seems to be the bit that is decided. And, and it's the fact there's so many better options as well, isn't it? You know, Like, um, the other weakness that you mentioned 
which I think is probably as as bad, if not more so than than Darun was was Vindal at left wing back. He just yeah didn't look suitable for it at all. His his movement, he didn't really seem to know where to go when when the team had the ball. Uh, he wasn't really an option for Frankie on the left, which means Frankie was didn't have one of his best games um which is massive i mean you know if holland did to do well you need him playing at his best so but that's that's a position in which i've got a bit more sympathy for deborah i guess because the options aren't great i mean the alternative is is van Aanholt, who to be fair looked he came on a bit in both games and he almost scored in both of them actually um well, he he is more suited to that style just naturally. He is like more of a, a kind of winger uh, yeah. fullback anyway, and so he is going to get into those positions. And I was also surprised by just how uncomfortable Vendal looked on the ball. Um, yeah, yeah. Surprised. I've never really seen him look just so nervous uh, in a way, or like just totally. Yeah, he was playing below his level which uh, surprised me. So, yeah, I think Van Anhol is um, better suited. And obviously, you've got the protection there for him, uh, in theory, with the way the midfield operates. But obviously, with the three centre-backs, I mean, Yurin Timber is just a, an absolute boss, despite his age. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's there for somebody like him. It's there to free up the, the left-back to go and do it. And, Vendal just wasn't uh, in it. I just don't think that it's really his style. Um, he is. If it was a back four, I would have no complaints about him. I would think he's he's totally fine. But um, yeah, Van Aanholt probably for the sake of the first game, you don't want any mistakes at all, um, and no. you want the young to have all of those options available for sure. I think with Vindal, maybe the issue is that he isn't that isn't like rapidly quick he's not the best in terms of you know going past the player one and one and in a back four obviously there's a winger in front of him that sort of occupies uh the other team's fullback whereas in this in this formation he's kind of responsible for getting past and obviously on the other side you've got Dumfries who's who who's a real kind of force in nature in that sense you know if you play long balls over the top you'd back him to get there whereas Vindel isn't um isn't really like that so yeah I think Van Aanholt is is much more suited I mean would you consider Daily Blind there obviously he played there against Italy when we first played this formation and he was probably our best player but uh obviously there are still a few concerns over his, his lack of pace I guess exactly yeah and that's what um makes me a wee bit cynical I mean I think Blind has smart enough in his position and his reading of the game that he might even be able to compensate for that just by starting higher when he when he sees the opportunity and uh, just sticking with it to, to get in the right positions for De Jong. But um, yeah, I would have more confidence if they, if they went with uh, Van Aanholt. It's a tough one with Blind because I think, personally, I think you do have to find a way to stick him in this team because... We have, I think it's such a weakness, the kind of the vision that the team has in the passing, the creativity. I mean, if I look at the squad, I think Blind, Memphis and De Jong are probably the only three that can really kind of cut open a defence with one pass. So I do feel like when you've got that with Blind, 
you should try and fit it in somewhere. Um, I mean, against Georgia, it already made a, a big difference. You know, on the ball, he kind of got us forward so much more with this kind of passes through the midfield to Memphis. So, yeah, I do think you should get him in, but I, I think it was, I think midfield is the best bet because, I mean, centre back, I don't know, he's good on the ball, but I'd probably rather, yeah, I mean, taking a look at that, I think DeVry and DeLift are both obviously going to start. That third spot, though, you've got Timber, Blind, and Ake, all kind of contenders. And I mean, you know, you mentioned Timber. I mean, he was he was so good, and he played full ninety minutes in both games, and he he looked like he's been playing in the national team for years. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He's uh, he's he's quality. He's just a, a boss of a defender, and he looks he's so mature. I mean, he's only nineteen. I think he's about turned twenty, and uh, yeah, he's. I, I would go with uh, Timber direct in the vibe. But. Do you think Ake could maybe play? He wasn't obviously what he played a half against Georgia and he looked fairly solid. Yeah, and he's again he's a quality defender. He definitely deserves to be there. But um, yeah, I just have faith in Timber. Uh, he's been he's he's been been playing so well for Ajax. Um, yeah, I would stick with him. It's also because he's played those two games he's uh he's maybe a bit more settled yeah i think there are other worrying positions for them to mess about with that uh yeah they should try and keep the the bits that have worked so far the way they are yeah i think timber de, de, de Vry was would be the best bet um although i think the only issue is that obviously none of them are left-footed and de Ligt played on the left against scotland and didn't look too comfortable so that does make me wonder if you bring Ake in instead of Timber and move Delict over to the right. But um, in terms of personnel, we're, we're strong in that area, so you'd think something's going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You'd uh, you'd have uh, some confidence that they they can figure it out. But um, yeah, they need some uh, some guidance on on what they're looking for, and those fine details are things that I'm not sure even the Boer has has worked out yet, which um, is is the worrying thing. <laughs> Yeah, behind the defence, goalkeeper, obviously Jasper Silesen was dropped from the squad, which the more I think about it, the more it seems like a crazy decision. But um, hey, uh, it's happened, and obviously it's going to be one of Tim Krull or, or, or Stakelenberg. I mean, they both played a full 90 minutes. Um, and, well, my thinking at the end of it, I think the thinking of most Holland fans, is that Stakelenberg should be the one against Ukraine. Yep, it's got to be. He yeah. has to be. Yeah, Cruel is just uh, he's uh, a decent shot stop bar, obviously. But uh, I mean, you mentioned that uh, during the week uh, that uh, Stecklenburg just has just uh, so much better distribution than Cruel, and that's obviously key for well for the Dutch in general. Um, but uh, yeah, for for this team, and uh, yeah, he's he's the uh, the only choice really. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, I'm, I'm pretty confident of going into Euros with him. I mean, before, even before when Sealison was still an option, I think we, we spoke about it in the last um, a few episodes ago that we, we, we were up for him kind of starting ahead of Sealison. You know, that's how good he is. And I mean, yeah, I don't know. There's something apart from his distribution and the fact that he, I think he's got less howlers in him than Cruel. I think it is something kind of, I don't know, you can't you can't really explain it, but I feel a lot more kind of calm when the ball is in a dangerous area where when Stakelenberg's in goal. 
Um, I think he's just got a better kind of command of the Bucks, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, he is like a big presence. Um, he's obviously massively experienced. Uh, it was fine for Ajax when Onana got taken out. Um, so it's not like you're just calling on some veteran to throw on who hasn't played in ages. He's um, he's had a, a decent build-up to this tournament. So, uh, yeah, I think he's uh, a respectable figure to, to have back there. Yeah, and I mean, what a story that is, him back there after. Well, I mean, the last time we won a match at the Euros was against Romania in 2008, and he was the goalkeeper then. So, you know, that's a good sign. Um yeah, so goalkeeper Stakelenburg, I think, best option. Uh, only other position, really, that's up for grabs, I think, is the the striker position alongside Memphis. We spoke about it a bit. Obviously, Veghorst finally got his chance against uh, Scotland and Georgia, got one goal. Looked a lot better against Georgia. But then, obviously, we got Donio Mallon, who looked great when he came on, as well for the last 20 minutes or so. I mean, out of those two, which one do you pick? It's a hard one because uh, I'm a big fan of both. I think they're obviously very close as quality. They both offer different threats. Memphis was really optimistic about his partnership with Verhorst. He seemed to um, vibe with them a bit, which is um, good. You can give them a wee bit of uh, time to, to get going. But, uh, yeah, I just think you want a kind of... Yeah, just like a quick threat to go through the middle. And yeah, I think Marlon has just been quality for PSV. He's just a fantastic young player. Uh, I would like to see him given a chance. Uh, especially, I mean, it's different if playing with a 4 3 3 where you've got him as a winger. Actually, having him through the middle gives him a chance to just really tear teams apart through going at the centre backs. Him and Memphis can can work around each other. Memphis obviously has a bit of a free role in this uh, formation, um, which I, I like a lot. Yeah, I would like to see them combine in this sort of setup. It would be pretty interesting. But um, also, I do have confidence that Verhoff will uh, will be fine as well. I mean, it's not like it's uh, it's not like the the, the Martin Daron of of the striker position. Uh, definitely, I'm happy that he's he's ahead of De Jong uh, for sure. And again, I think that they can work out the the right sort of tempo to go up between him and Memphis. So it's uh, it's uh, it's the the luxurious position of the team. Yeah, I guess. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's my favourite thing about the formation actually is the fact that we can kind of fit in two strikers and obviously, yeah, like you said, it gives Memphis this complete freedom. You know, he can do what he wants, which I think is. Is great because uh, we've always kind of there's always been this you know uncertainty is he better on the left wing or is he better as a as a lone striker whereas I guess this is kind of a a happy medium isn't it he gets a bit of he he does play further up but he also has like freedom to 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 influence the game however he wants so yeah I think that's a really good part about the formation and then yeah I mean like you said Malin or Vekost it's not a bad place to be in, really. I think both of them I'd be I'd be happy with if they started the first game, you know, as long as Luke de Jong doesn't get himself back into the picture. <laughs> uh, what did you think about uh, Van der Beek uh, getting taken out? Do you think he should have called someone in? I, I don't think he should have called someone up, actually. That's, again, something that De Boer's probably going to be kind of crucified for in the media. Um, but I don't really... 
obviously in that position that he plays at number 10, we've obviously got Wijnaldum there and Klaas in there. And I mean, Memphis could play there as well, maybe. So I think just because of the risk of, there's obviously this bubble now. And I think six players in the squad aren't getting the vaccine. So I'd feel a bit uncomfortable about kind of bringing in a new player in case we get a COVID outbreak and, you know, Veghorst, Delicht and whoever else didn't get the vaccine ended up testing positive, you know. I just don't think it's worth the risk when it's a position that we're fairly well stocked in. Um, uh, what about you? Yeah, I I, I was the same um, just because, yeah, I didn't think Van der Beek would play. And no. so, well, it's pretty much it's fine. I mean, you don't really need somebody. The only thing I would have done, again, as we talked talked on, uh, touched on, would have been bringing Karlsdorp to widen their options at right back. But yeah, I think uh, I understand why he he didn't didn't feel the need to call anybody up because Van der Beek is basically an extra, which yeah. is uh, such a shame for Van der Beek. I mean, uh, I don't really see him as being an important part of the national team, really. But uh, just the fact that he's had such a horrible time at Manchester United, <laughs> yeah. I just think sorry that everything is just sort of buckled for him. You know, if you said said to me last year when when it was delayed, you know, what do you think? Uh, do you think Van der Beek's going to have a role in the tournament next year? I would have been pretty confident. I mean, he was young, he was playing really well at Ajax. I'd maybe seen him kind of replacing Vinaldum in the team, but he just—I never understand why he went to United when they had Bruno Fernandes there in that position. I mean. Don't listen to your agents, folks. I think that's the the big takeaway from what's happened to him in the last year. Generally, then, final thoughts on this formation, 5-3-2. An experiment worth doing, you think? Well, I've just been surprised by his sudden use of it against this calibre of of opponent. I mean, it is usually mm. one that you're counting, you're using when you can't, you're not confident you, you can really grab a game basically and, and control it um, I like the flexibility that it, that it offers I like the fact that um, yeah it does bring together the pie and a, a striker that can, can uh, see them combine and get the better out of the two of them uh, it also nullifies the fact that the wingers are a bit of a problem in general for the Netherlands I mean you usually have like Malin on the left say he much rather see him through the middle then you've got like Steven Berghaus, who's obviously been fantastic for Feyenoord, but I'm just not convinced that he's really a good fit for a national team. Same goes for Quincy Promise, who's often just a bit of a, a, a waste. Mm. Uh, so it does sort of take care of some concerns. I think um, if Koeman was still in charge and we were lining up with this, I would be really optimistic I would be like totally fine the fact that the Boer has just sort of sprung it on them they had before the Scotland game they had had one good day of training on training with it he said and so they were still ironing out the kinks <clears throat> uh, which worried me a lot I mean it's not just so much that you're <laughs> you're still trying to figure out the best of your team uh, going through a, so close to a tournament but the fact that you're just squeezing in all of these players and a formation that you've never played with as a coach and that they just don't really know what they're doing and there's so much to work out that it, it worries me quite a bit. Um, but, I mean, yeah, we, we've been positive about the squad itself for a reason. We've 
sort of identified the weakest and most worrying parts of it and, and come up with solutions. So I think there is a way of making it work. And yeah, and as you say, they switched to to more of a, a the, the traditional sort of the Boer style uh, at the end of the Scotland game and looked fine. And the fact that he's willing to maybe switch to that in games and has the team that can that can that can play with it, then, then maybe he'll be able to uh, yeah spring it in when if they're needed against um, Ukraine and in Austria. I think the problem is more isn't so much about the actual system itself. It's just that the Boer just suddenly has this incredible devotion <laughs> because it's something that he's never done before. He's never really... Well, most you'd probably get out of him was like a, a 3-4-3 that uh, he, would, he would switch to uh, and when he was at Ajax and stuff. Um, and yeah, this is just like a, a, just a completely dark area for him that now that he's gone with it, he's stuck with it. Then, yeah, I think he may as well just uh, keep keep it for the the first game at least, and and see how it goes. But um, again, it's you just don't know how much or how little faith to put in the Boer these days. It's just nah. especially with this just this new new venture. Yeah, like I mean, on paper the formation looks it makes a lot of sense. To put put the team in it. I mean, bef- before the game against Scotland, I was well up for it. You know, I was actively hoping that we tried it because it, um, you know, like all the things mentioned, it gives Memphis a free roll. It allows us to put another good striker in. It allows us to play three centre backs, which makes a lot of sense because it's arguably our strongest position, even without Van Dyke. So, yeah, I was a fan of it. It's just the execution so far hasn't been good. I, I do think one of the, I think we we can take a lot of encouragement from the progress between the Scotland and Georgia games and I mean there was only uh, I can't remember like four or five days between those matches and and the team looked a lot better in the second one so we've obviously got that gap again uh, a bit of a bigger gap even to the Ukraine match so if they continue to make that level of progress then you would you know there's reason to believe that they, they might be a lot better coming into the first game it's good to have the option, at least. You know, it's good to have two formations we can play. I mean, if you think to the last uh, major tournament we played, 2014, I think Van Hal. I mean, against Mexico, I'm not even exaggerating. When I think uh, Van Hal played about four formations in one match. <laughs> um, you know, at, at the end of the day, it did ultimately work. We got the goals in it. it, it it's a good, it's a good option to have, I guess, being able to switch between a back five and a back four. I think the only worry is taking a look ahead the worry is for me that the first match is Ukraine which is going to be a tough one I think I mean they they gave France a good run for their money in the in the qualifiers and I think they're a pretty a pretty decent side really I mean you just wish the first match was against North Macedonia no offense to North Macedonia but that would be a game in which mistakes can be a, a less costly uh, the team can kind of get to grips with the formation more while probably winning and they can get a bit of confidence i mean i think the big worry now is that you know i think back to 2012 and we obviously lost the first match against denmark and everything fell apart from that i mean there is a bit of a worry that that could happen against ukraine isn't there oh definitely definitely i mean i'm so torn between being horribly cynical and being 
kind of optimistic, and yeah, I think a lot does ride on that first game. I think they they really need a, a strong a strong performance. Um, yeah, and I, I honestly wouldn't be so worried about it if it was that the Boer had tried this system earlier. I think maybe in his, one of his early games he sort of gave it a, he flirted with it a wee bit, but the fact that he then just has so insistent on the on the four three three for so long until well for basically his entire Netherlands career or his entire career uh, until now is uh, yeah just is a wee bit perplexing. But um, that is the kind of uh, I guess in vogue system he is going to be coming up against teams that are going to line up in something similar like this. Um, so yeah, he needs to be um. I'm glad that he's found this new flexibility, of course, but uh, mm. yeah, just a lot of it is just they need a, a really good showing against Ukraine to to put them in a comfortable position, and then yeah, whatever happens against Austria, I think they'll be fine. But um, yeah, it's it's confusing. But uh, I was actually thinking yesterday. I remember when the Euros first got delayed. And we both talked about how it might be um, in the Netherlands' interest because uh, Koeman would have them looking sharp by then and Depay would be back from his cruciate ligament injury. Koeman yeah. left, Van Dijk, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I literally, I didn't ask him at the time why it's good for Holland, you know. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, Memphis will be fit. Uh, the young players will be a year better. Um Koeman will have a bit more time with the squad and then yeah like you said I think back then if someone had said to you what are the two worst possible things that could happen for Holland ahead of next year now you'd probably have picked out Ronald Koeman leaving and Virgil van Dijk getting injured yeah, uh, yeah it's 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 rough luck but I mean the trade-off for van Dijk is that we get Memphis so that's something I guess yeah, I mean, as you say, the centre back position is the strongest despite him, so it is not a, a, it isn't even really a big concern. The fact that he hasn't been there hasn't really been on my mind at all because I, yeah, De Vrij has just been awesome for Inter, and yeah. we're playing a, a, a system that actually he is kind of used to. He's just not used to it with this team, and yeah. just, they don't know, there are certain things that he just doesn't know when to what to do. Same mm-hmm. with Lech. Um, who's yeah, just uh, so quick, uh, so sharp uh, that he, I think he can he can get in, into the groove pretty quickly as well. It's just so much depends on De Boer working out those those fine details. Whereas Koeman knows this, he was basically the inspiration for Valhalla's in, in 2014. So yeah, you would you would have lost so much more confidence even if they played the way they did in those two games under Koeman. You would be like, yeah, it can happen. Or before a tournament would be will be fine. But um, it just seems so alien to the team and to De Boer himself. Yeah, well, this this wouldn't be a real preview without predictions at the end. So, first up, we'll start off with the first match against Ukraine, which is on Sunday. What are you thinking about that? What do you reckon is going to happen? I think they're going to draw it. I think uh, Ukraine are just such a stubborn team. Um, I think they will they will actually be able to keep them quiet. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's going to be a draw for that one. Yeah, I, I actually think I think the same. I think it's come a bit a bit too early for this team in this formation to come up against a half decent side. 
and uh, I don't think a draw would be the end of the world. Um, no. Definitely not. I mean, a loss would be bad, but I, I, I can definitely see us kind of going behind early, equalising, you know, ending like that, not being able to find a winner, which, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, if we win the next two matches, then after that, then obviously I think we're probably, we would come top of the group still. Maybe it would depend on goal difference, but... Yeah, I reckon a draw from that match as well. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, anything could happen though, couldn't it? You know, the team could have got so much more comfortable with this formation and we could look really good, comfortably win. Or it could be like the Scotland game and we, we'd we be lucky to get a draw. So The first round of a tournament is often just kind of dodgy. You do get like some really strange results, I think, in the first week. Yeah. just trying to settle so yeah as you say it could be it could be anything at all <laughs> yeah and i mean it's worth noting that you know when we won the euros back in 1988 um what i'm pretty sure we weren't very good in the group stages at all i think lost to to the ussr we'd be in the final and van busten didn't play because for some reason he wasn't seen as the best option i mean yeah, um, yeah. I think back to to Spain. They obviously lost the first match in 2010 and went on to win. I mean, I mean, I'd still be very worried by a loss, but I think if we draw it, it's not the end of the world, really. Um, going on to wider predictions, how how well do you think this team can do in the tournament? Um, they should get out the group, obviously, and I think. Beyond that is is going to be a bonus, really. It's such a weird situation for them, especially because that obviously this new system just throws in so much. It's such a a, a whole new uncertainty. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a difficult one. Yeah, I think if they get out of the group, they'll be fine. But beyond that, I'll I'll be happy if they make it any further than that. Uh, yeah, I mean it is so. Obviously, so much depends on who you draw in the knockout stages and back you know back back in the day uh, sounds sound old uh back in the day that you you just look at you know, when it was a 16 team tournament you just look at the group next to yours and say oh who's going to come second in that okay we'll probably play them in the quarterfinals yeah. whereas now it's like we'll, we'll play the third place team from either group d group e or group f there's no yeah. really way to predict that, is there? You know, I mean, I, I think I've done like full on brackets predicting like every match and stuff. And we've either ended up with Germany or Sweden um, in the last 16, assuming Holland come top, which I'm optimistically going to say will happen. Um, so I don't know. I guess it all depends on that. I think if we get if we get a team like Sweden in the last 16, I think we could we could beat them. But realistically, unless we end up with a pretty easy draw, I'd say quarterfinals is is probably where we'll we'll get knocked out. Mm, yeah. If they finish second in the group, it's uh, going to be like Italy or Turkey or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, yeah, Group A. If it's Turkey, oof, that's going to be painful again. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't want that again. I mean, maybe DeVos learned this lesson from last time, but I, I, I'd... I quite like the idea of playing Germany in the last 16, you know. I think um, they're not in the best shape like ours. And, I mean, beating them, that could do that could do wonders for the team's confidence and kind of momentum. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't mind that, to be honest. I'd rather that than playing a really kind of poor side that stumbled their way through. 
because that seemed like the exact sort of match that we'd end up losing like we lost against Turkey in the qualifiers yeah yeah when the expectations are high as well yeah and I I think this formation as well is suited better to playing better teams as well on the counter I mean you know the only time we played it before was in one of De Boer's first matches against Italy and um yeah, we looked really good in it, actually. So, yeah, I'd say bring on Germany in the last 16. We'll smash them and then laugh our way through to the semis. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> someone's, uh, someone's sounding like a real Dutchman all of a sudden. It's all these adverts on TV in Holland, you know. They really get you get you pumped, trick you into feeling positive about the tournament. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Wesley Snyder rapping about gambling is, uh, is really uh, inspirational. <laughs> play that advert instead of the national anthem before matches i reckon <laughs> yeah, yeah fair enough i would be it would get me pumped up all in all you know forgetting De Boer in tactics and, and players and issues and stuff i mean is it doesn't it just feel good to be able to kind of look ahead to a tournament and stick up a wall chart or, or you know and, and look at fixtures and just see holland there again <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's. I mean, that, that is kind of the the sad part is that we just have such a an expectation that they should do well at tournaments. That yeah, we kind of forget to take a moment to enjoy it. It's going to be fun for me. Obviously, I'm in Scotland there. I have only tiny recollections of them at the 1998 World Cup, uh, and I haven't seen them in any big tournaments since then. Usually. They uh, get knocked out just before the before they actually make it to the big stage. So uh, yeah, it's cool to see. I mean, I remember in the '98 World Cup, I had actually a wall chart with. Uh, I was so excited to see Scotland at it, but <laughs> Netherlands became my team at that tournament. Basically, when uh, Scotland get knocked down, I was like, oh, there's a whole other tournament. I need to pick somebody. Uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty nostalgic to see them both yeah. uh, there. I'm looking forward to the Netherlands Scotland final. Yep, yeah, that'd be great fun. I mean, you know, if if things go as well for Holland as last time they were both in the tournament ninety eight, then um well I'll be I'll be pretty happy this time next month. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it would be uh, incredible, especially if they can get one of those just spectacular goals like um, Bergkamp against uh, Argentina. I'd say that's maybe the best Holland goal ever, you know. I think I rate it above Van Basten. Just that, that first touch was unbelievable. Um well, um, yeah, uh, well, as always, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure as always. always yeah, and uh, well, thanks to everyone else for listening, of course. Um, you know, as always, if you enjoyed it, then do leave a review on, on whatever uh, platform you're listening on. And we will be, well, first and first, obviously, I'll be covering the tournament everything that happens in it on uh, on the clockwork around your twitter so you can find us there just at clockwork around you and well hopefully we can come back and do episodes throughout the, t- the tournament maybe after each kind of stage so you know the first one after the three group stage matches and um hopefully that's not the last one hopefully we can keep going long into the tournament <laughs> but yeah so thanks again and um well we'll see you after after the first three matches, hopefully in a in a in an excellent mood. So uh, yeah, hop Holland. <laughs>